Welcome to Your Divorce Planner Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi B., certified divorce coach, event expert, and go-to gal for navigating the next steps of your divorce journey. I'm so happy you've tuned in for the tools, topics, and truth talk to start transforming your life today. I truly believe that with a powerful planning partner, you will heal the heartbreak and move forward faster. Without further delay, let's continue creating your comeback today. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I have a guest for you today who actually, you heard him on episode 138 of Your Divorce Planner, Take the High Road, Compassionate Co-Parenting Through Divorce. And I knew that we had to tap into his genius again. So welcome to the show, Andy. Oh my God, I don't know if I can live up to that, but thank you, Heidi. (laughs) (laughs) And for anybody who is a new listener who maybe hasn't listened to episode 138 just yet, Andy really never set out to become an expert on divorce. But after he co-authored two real estate investing books, he went out through his own divorce. And over six years, he conducted dozens and dozens of interviews with field experts and co-parenting counselors and attorneys. I mean, you really went in deep with people who know all things divorce and really used your book to create this blueprint for advice and real world examples. And in there, there are 46 practical strategies for better separation in Take the High Road, Divorce with Compassion for Yourself and Your Family. So I love this book. And Andy gave me a really great challenge, which I wanted to read your book before we podcasted, but it just all happened really fast. And I wanted you on the show right now. And then you said, hey, if there's more you want to talk about, let me know. And I was like, I want to read the book and then have you back on. So that is what we're digging into today. If you guys haven't listened to the first show, go listen to that and come back and listen to this or vice versa. So since that last episode, like I said, I have read so many good things in this book. You have so many great strategies And I really wanted to bring up the things that I highlighted in my book (laughs) that we didn't talk about. My book literally looks like a highlighter exploded. (laughs) That's probably one of the best compliments I've gotten since I wrote the book. And I, I love it, Heidi. Thank you. And I share this from somebody who's been through divorce, done all the things, healed through divorce. But I wish that I had read this book before. I went through it all. So whether you've been through it or you're going through it, this is certainly a hot book to grab and get in your sweet little hand. It's a quick read. I'm a slow reader. And I was like, I can't put it down because there are small nuggets in each chapter that are real and raw and filled with expertise. So this is really, 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 really good. I realized if I had had this information like on the day of my divorce, the process would probably have been a lot more easier to manage, yeah. right? Uh, It's hard regardless, but easier to manage. And so a lot of the strategies that you shared through other professionals and your own experiences, things like who to contact and how to contact them and all the things like, I really want people to know that there's a place that they can land to feel good about their decisions for years to come. And I know that that's a really important thing for you as well was like the whole reason you wrote this book, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll add a couple of things before we start with your questions. So really three things. First of all, if I had it to do over again, I'd pick a different title because my title sort of suggests that, well, compromise everywhere is the right thing to do. That's actually not the case, everybody. But 
what I noticed after, particularly after my interviews with these attorneys, is that the more conflict points you have with your ex, the higher your stress and the more money it costs. So if you can reduce the things you focus on to a smaller number, compromise on the things that are less important, mm. then you're actually going to save money, get through it faster, get through it healthier with less stress. Mm. So that's what it means by taking the high road is probably more, a better title would be focus on the fewer, more important things and let the other things slide. So that's that is first- really, that's really yeah. good. I love that you're acknowledging that because it is, I, I can see how that might make people feel like, oh man, really? I get, oh, why should I compromise? People get so yeah. heated and loaded through divorce. Correct. Correct. The second thing, guys, is that this is not about my divorce. I'm just a businessman, and but I'm, I'm a disciple of Dale Carnegie. I've read all the business books about how to deal with high conflict business situations. When I went through my own divorce, I read tons of other books by field experts, and they're not, they're not bad guys, but a divorce from by a, a divorce attorney, a book by a divorce attorney will have the attorney's perspective, yes. a co-parenting counselor by a co-parenting perspective, a therapist by a therapist perspective. So what's different about my book is that I interviewed all these field experts, including dozens of divorcees who they themselves had high conflict divorces. What did they do right? What did they do wrong? So my book is a compilation of best practices, like Heidi said, because this is not about Andy Heller's divorce, because I'm just a guy, a businessman, but it's organized like a best practice manual for divorce. And the last thing I would say is you probably have a lot of listeners, Heidi, who are maybe on the back end of their divorce. Probably 60% of my book deals with after the divorce has agreed to things that come up in co-parenting that could be 10 or 15 years, you now have to co-parent with somebody you did not live with. So even if you are done with your divorce and it's negotiated and signed, now you have to co-parent effectively. Probably 60% of the book deals with how to do this and prepares you for things that are likely to happen as you try to raise your kids to be well-adjusted adults with somebody that you couldn't live with under one roof. So anyhow, that's wanted to go ahead and quickly mention those three things. That is really, really good. I love that you said a best practice manual because it really is. That's how I took it. And I don't even have kids. I didn't even have to go through the co-parenting practice. And I really, really love how this book was able to extract a lot of really, really great things and practices and tools. And like I love how you said this isn't about your divorce because mm-hmm. it, it really, I didn't feel like I was reading a memoir on your divorce experience. I really felt like I was being shared these pieces of support and help that would get a person through different parts of this kind of like web of things that you have to figure out all of a sudden. Yeah. yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about chapter one, because this chapter really really made me lean in because it's called, Is Divorce the Right Path for You? And you say, before you sign anything, before you meet with your attorney, before you read the advice in this book, stop. And you challenge the reader to do a couple things, right? You yeah. you say like, dig deep into the love and happiness, explore. Are you 100% sure? And ask more questions. So I want to get into those things. But first of all, why did you write this chapter in the first place? That is a really powerful 
question. And the answer is, again, most of these chapters came from the interviews I did with field experts. I said, well, we need to talk about that. We need to talk about this. We need to talk about that. I read an article around the time I was divorcing that talked about how we live in a throwaway society. And I thought a lot, and I, I bounced this chapter off of my, my own therapist. I'm like, you know, it can't be that people are different today than they were 50 years ago, our parents' generation, but the quantity of divorces is exponentially higher. We human beings have not changed. What's different? And what she said was, you know, Andy, in our parents' generation, divorce was not so accepted. And it forced couples to try to work their way through things. Some were successful at it. Some were just miserable. All right. So the point that came from that is that our generation today is on some level an immediate gratification generation. We're too quick to give up. So this chapter is, ladies and gentlemen, it's a gut check. All right. It forces you to take a step back. Is my marriage stale? Is my marriage broken? And there's a, one of the powerful tips in this chapter, and you're probably ready to ask me about this, is I recommend, even if you're 99% certain that your marriage is broken, take six months of therapy. Why? Think about yourself. You all, at some point, have dissected your parents' marriage this is what adults do. And your children who grow up, when they are adults, they will dissect your marriage, both what worked and what caused it to end. All right. So you want to be able to say, sit down to your children and say, you know what? It wasn't really good with mom. It wasn't really good with dad, but you guys were so important that before we gave up, we tried half a year of, of intense therapy. And and that's a very, very important message to your adult children because it tells them that they were so important that even the challenges that you were having in your union, you were not in a rush to separate. You wanted to see if you could salvage. Now, of course, when you have a third party that might be involved, that complicates things. But in a perfect world, if you can be able to look at your adult children and tell them that you and your, your ex tried therapy, mm. then that's going to make them feel that they're more important. And you took that union a lot more seriously before you said, ah, I'm not happy. I'm going to run. All right. Mm. And look, in the book, we talk about some percentages of marriages that are salvaged. It's actually not that high. Oh. All right. It's about one in five, Heidi. But still, look at it this way, guys. One in five marriages are saved through therapy, yeah. but a hundred percent of the of the divorces, you're able to tell your children what you did and tried to do to salvage it. And that's really a powerful message to your adult children because you want them to be able to have healthy relationships themselves when they're adults and not have what happened in our own divorces to impact their ability to be happy. So it's a gut check. And we give some ways of identifying where your marriage is. Is it stale or is it broken? And then, of course, professional help can do better than my, than my short book 
can to help you identify bringing a third party in to intimately learn about your marriage. Can this be salvaged or, or is, is the right path a separate path? And sometimes that is the case. I really, really like the perspective that you bring to this discussion as a parent, because I'm not, like I said, I'm not a parent. We didn't have to consider anyone outside of ourselves being affected by our decision-making process. So I will say the interesting thing that I have to admit is that I was a little triggered when I read the heading, are you 100% sure? And I realized that that question was never positioned to me as an invitation to ask more questions and look deeper within myself, but rather I felt questioned by everyone else. Like, should I have been trying harder? And I failed my marriage. You know, that perspective really activated me, but that's not the perspective that you've shared in your book. And I love the perspective of the questioning of self and self-reflection rather than rushed and heated decision-making, which I think happens a lot of times. So you invite people together to ask, is anything else worth exploring? Like, can you share more about this 100% censure and that question? Like, is anything else worth exploring? And I think that's really powerful. Thank you. Thank you. I remember one of the, the suggestions in that chapter is, Take a moment and think about your partner before you become ex-partners. What was that one time he or she said the perfect thing when I was dealing with a life crisis? Think about that one time when you had that amazing romantic weekend and and how passionate it was that weekend and how he or she made you feel. And maybe, look, take a walk on the beach. Hey, do we do we really want to go down this path? Do we want to slow it down and press pause. I mean, the thing about it, divorce is typically a permanent separation. All right. So unless there's a third party involved or somebody's in danger, which is another thing we talk about in the book that that's a different dynamic. Is there a reason that we have to get there that fast? So take a little bit more time to identify and to put your divorce in a bucket. Is it stale? And can it be fixed with the right steps or is it broken? But coming back to the first question you asked me, so yes, I read this article, but what was the final prompt on this chapter was a phone call I got from a dear friend and I was already moving along with my divorce. And I think I just started to date and my buddy called and he was kind of fishing. I was in his wedding and lovely, lovely wife. And he was asking me questions, you know, I'm kind of, I'm not happy about this, not happy about that. And I'm kind of thinking about this. Tell me what life is like. And I said, I'm going to change the name. John, I know your ex. I know your wife, sorry. And yeah. don't you dare go down this path. She's lovely. <laughs> um, the things you're describing are issues that suggest your marriage is stale and not broken. And, mm. and you know what? Yeah, I, I'm going out on dates now, but I'm 50 years old. I don't want to be going out on dates. I mean, I'm too old for this. You know, <laughs> it, this is not what I want. I want stability. I like a partner. You know, I don't want to be chasing women at my age. It's just not what I, the picture I had for my life. So don't be listening to my stories and thinking that's really enticing. 
and he got into therapy and they're still happily married. So, mm. you know, one of the things that my parents always said to me is the beware of that grass is greener on the other side of the fence. It's not always like that. And this chapter is about trying to understand the seriousness of this consideration. And sometimes, look, your partner can be more like a roommate and it can be really not enticing, but that doesn't mean it's broken. It doesn't mean it can't be fixed or rekindled. And the other thing that I would say about that chapter that's really powerful, everybody, is if you end up going to therapy for six months and the path of divorce is the right path for you, you're going to feel so much better in your soul and with your children, talking to them for the rest of your life, you're going to say, I did everything I could mm-hmm. and mom did too, or dad did also. Mm-hmm. And that's really a powerful message, guys, both to your children and also how you feel. So anyhow, I yeah. felt that that was the, that needed to be the first chapter. Mm-hmm. I may be one of the only divorced books that where the first chapter is, is this what you really want to do? I think it's genius and super powerful. And I, I too have had folks since I got divorced come to me again. I won't, I definitely won't share names because thankfully it did work out. And what they were looking for is they were kind of probing for like, I'll just say almost asking like, well, it's going to be easier, right? Like I'll just get divorced and then I'll just move on with my life. And then I won't have to deal with all the things that are frustrating me and angering me. And right, right. It's going to be like that, right, Heidi? And what I said to every single person that came to me is I said, divorce is not the solution to what you're feeling right now. Or sorry, I said, divorce is not a quick fix. It's not the quick fix. So it might be the solution to your long-term issues, but it's not the quick fix to just moving on with your life and feeling better. In fact, I told myself that lie. I went, okay, like this isn't like, we're not supposed to be together anymore. You know, I was approached basically by my partner and said like, are you even happy anymore? And kind of both went, ah, not really, you know, like, and I thought, well, I don't really want to be with a person that doesn't want to be with me, but rather than exploring all the reasons why they might not want to be with me anymore and why I might not want to be with them, we just kind of went, well, guess we don't want to be together anymore. And then you yeah. start to kick up after the, the aftermath is like, wow, there were a lot of things that I needed to learn about myself and I didn't know about him and he didn't know about me that really could have been explored through facilitated conversation and not saying that that would have changed the outcome, the long-term outcome in any way, but it wasn't the quick fix that I thought it would be like, okay, well, I'm a pretty powerhouse woman. I'll get back on my feet. I'll move on with my life and off we go. And it was not like that at all. It was horrendously painful. And there were just so many things to go through. And one of those things was the boredom thing. And so I couldn't believe when I was reading your book, I didn't know this though. I will say to our to our listeners, I didn't realize this piece of it until long, long after my divorce into my own personal healing that I crave variety as one of my biggest core needs. And so one of the things that I've done in my current relationships, in friendship and in romantic relationships, is I want to make sure that that craving is always satisfied within myself in every relationship that I have moving forward because I didn't realize what a big 
issue that was until I realized that it was five years after the fact. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. And one of the, as you said in the introduction, there's six years of research went into my book. And there were some things that I expected to hear. There were a lot of surprises. One of the most impactful surprises is, so I uh, I interviewed dozens of divorcees who went through high-conflict divorces and have landed overall in good places. The lessons I got from them have gone into this book. One of the surprises I got is a lot of them said, and again, these were high-conflict divorces. We may have been too quick to abandon the divorce, abandon our marriage. And if you get are getting this type of a comment five, six years down the road from high-conflict divorces, mm. that is certainly something we need to pause. And again, I'm going to be very careful with the guidance here. Many of us are simply not going to be in a mindset to want to slow it down. We're not happy. We want out. We want our situation to change. Yeah. But if anything I've learned now that I am older is that life, it's amazing how different you can feel five or six years. Time is a very powerful adjuster to your energy and your feelings, all right? Mm -hmm. So the problem is that divorce is typically very permanent and very impactful, particularly if you have children. So even though what I'm saying in the long roundabout way is you may not be feeling the energy and the warm and fuzzies to want to slow down the process. My point is many of you five years later will wish you had done it. Yep. So this is a point where take the advice of these leading therapists and people who are in your shoes who say, slow it down, put in six months of therapy. There is absolutely no downside. You'll still get to the finish line, yep. but you'll have a lot more clarity that the path is the right path for you. And you never know. You might be one of the one in five that stays married. And no matter what, this message will be far more impactful to your children. You'll be able to tell them that this is what mom and dad did. Yeah, I love that piece of it too, because having your kids at any point be able to come back to you and, and ask like, why? Why did you, I, I've heard kids say like, why did they do this to me? Did I have to, you know, all those types of things. Yeah. But when it can come back to, we had a lot of really tough conversations and realized that this is what was going to be best for us. And in the long run for you and for the whole family, there is that reassurance of knowing like you never have to have that in the back of your mind, right? Like we didn't right. not have those tough conversations. We did, we did. Yeah. And through that, we we figured out what outcome was right for us. It's so powerful. In your book, you say the most important realization divorcees can make is this, that their former life partner cannot be pushed to change his or her behavior. Why is this so important? And what happens if we try to push it? This is a really also a really powerful point. And what the book that's out right now is my second edition. And in the second edition, there's a lot of minor changes, but there's two new chapters that I felt were missing and added it. One was I certainly processed the advice that came to me 
in the interviews from lead-in therapists, but I wanted a therapist doing her take on the advice that's given. So the last chapter I added was the therapist perspective. Yeah. The chapter that I added in the beginning was specific to that question that you just asked. So let me answer that, but in a little bit more of a roundabout way. Okay. I do all these interviews of divorcees, and I don't think there was one single interview where I didn't hear something like, no matter what I do, he's going to say no. No matter how nice I am, she's going to throw roadblocks. Mm. Okay? So the counsel in these 46 tips and strategies deal with unilateral strategies that we can do that don't depend on our former partner. The extra chapter I added, Heidi, called the attention before you begin reading, like you're going to notice that the advice is all not just unilaterally based, but it is designed to eventually result in a change of behavior from your former spouse. But it's all unilaterally based. Why? Because this is a person, you're divorcing somebody who there's reasons why you're divorcing him or her. And there's things that he or she simply would not change that made marriage untenable. All right. Mm -hmm. So you couldn't change this while you were in one household and you had a lot to lose. You're certainly not going to be able to change this about him or her when you're in separate households. So part of this is understanding that you can only adjust how you react and deal with these issues, mm -hmm. right? So again, this book is not about my own divorce, okay? And with my ex, very high conflict, but you'll see the only time she's mentioned in my book is where I thank her for steps that she took while we we're splitting up that helped us and our children land in a good place. Yeah. Right? And, but, you know, I was in the first, and again, this book is not about my own divorce, but some of my own experiences led me like, wow, this could be a chapter. Just people can learn from this. And I would then go and I would speak to an attorney or a, or a, a co-parenting counselor or a therapist. So to your question, so the first year or so I'm splitting up, I'm probably spending two or three hours a day dealing with issues around the separation and and because my ex and I couldn't communicate effectively. Right. And I was trying to change this and change that. And as corny as this sounds, everybody, I looked in the mirror one day, had a conversation with myself. Yes. I, I ran my own business and my business was going and growing, but like this. I said, you know what? This isn't healthy. So I need to accept everything about how my ex deal uh, communicates with me and all all everything and just focus on myself and i recalibrated is the best better way of saying it and that two or three hours a day went to about 10 minutes well not only did my my dealings with my ex begin to rapidly improve my business took off i had more time to devote to my children and and I eventually I had the right energy that I drew a new partner in that today is my wife. So the point here, everybody, is we divorcees 
have to have this conversation with ourselves because you're not going to change him and you're not going to change her. All right. But I'll say there's two things here. First point is you've got to focus on unilateral steps, things that you can do that don't depend on a reciprocal action from your spouse, mm-hmm. former spouse. Yeah. But a lot of these tips and strategies are designed to eventually change his or her behavior to make it easier on you. And this is one of the nuances of my book that is unique in that I'm a businessman and I've studied high conflict business situations. And one of the things that I did in putting this book together is I met with my therapist and I said, okay, this isn't a session for me. This is for the book, all right? (laughs) This is what I do in business when I'm dealing with somebody who's uncooperative. This is what I do in business with somebody who says no to every idea that I have. And she said, you know, there's a suggestion here that it says, absolutely, these business skills that are designed for high conflict situations, and some of these are in the early part of the book, these business skills that you use in negotiations, you can absolutely use these in divorce. And this is some of the things that, that really is unique to my book And of these different podcasts that I've done, Heidi, the comments are really powerful that that they've never read anything like this. And, you know, I'll give you a great example here. And this is on the latter part. This goes into the co-parenting, right? So whatever I do, he says no. Whatever I say, she says the opposite. Okay. So change the style of your communication. Don't ever indicate your preference. Yes. Communicate. And you just define the problem. Hey, Heidi, this is what little Johnny's doing. I don't know what to do. What do you suggest? Yeah. You know know what you want the answer, but you're not, you're allowing your former partner who you know is going to say no to whatever you say to offer the first suggestion. Mm. Sometimes that first suggestion is exactly what you want and you're okay with it. Yes. It's a step in the right direction but it's not there. So again, your response is, oh, I love this. And you highlight the part that he or she said that is aligned with what you want. I still have a question on that. You don't say no to this. So in other words, it's when you play poker, you don't show your opponent your hand. Yeah. Right. So this suggestion and tip is a fantastic strategy. It's taken from business tips for high conflict situations where you never divulge mm. you never divulge your preference you allow your opponent to own the suggestion okay swallow your pride everybody is about getting your way yeah yeah, it, yeah. it's masterfully masterfully effective mm, that is so good and i also feel like so much of those business strategies work in high conflict because at the end of the day, it does come down to just allowing that other person to be seen and heard. And that's really what all of us want as humans at the end of the day. Like we just want to be seen and we want to be heard and we want to be acknowledged and we want to be validated. And so I love that you said, let them offer first, because a lot of times it could be just what you're looking for, right? Or maybe you don't even have a preference. Maybe you just need to find a solution to something. And instead of you having to figure it all out, the other person maybe can lend their spin on it and you can just add to that to make it best for everybody. So I think that's beautiful. I'm going to say it in a different way, guys. If you know your former spouse 
is going to say no to whatever you say, then don't give them a statement that they could say no to. Just communicate in the form of a question. So define the problem. Little Johnny does not want to go to piano lessons anymore. Okay, you, you want him playing basketball. But you don't say that. You say, I am so frustrated. I'm getting all this pushback in my home. I bet you're getting the same thing. I would love to hear your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Boom. Okay. And sometimes it's a one-stepper. Sometimes it's two or three steps. You want to get the solution close to what you want, but allow your former spouse to own it. Because yes. you know, no matter if if you declare this is what should happen, he or she's going to say no. So don't declare it. That was one of the funnest tips to write. And I've gotten such great feedback from so readers good. on that, Heidi. It works masterfully. And this that is, again, an example of something that's not just about through divorce. This can be something you utilize five years after you signed. Yeah. In everyday life, just all around great tip. There's so many, so many great strategies in this. And I know we we can't and we shouldn't talk all about them because I want people to read it. But I really liked number six, which is compromising when dividing material possessions. I want to talk a little bit about this because you really broke it down into three categories rather than trying to lump it all together. And I thought that was such a really, really important piece here. And I think there's so many things to consider when you're moving through divorce and it becomes overwhelming. So when you dropped it into three smaller categories, you say break it down into family, home, items within the home, and then number three is treasurables. Can you share more about this and the suggestions that you've got for reading this and kind of working through these three pieces? Yeah. I am not going to give you everything, guys. You got to go yeah, buy them. <laughs> for sure. And and yeah. Um, and it's so much deeper than what we're just talking about here. Right. There's just so, so much. Right. I'm going to give you the big picture on that chapter. Yeah. Beautiful. You don't want to be that family that spends $5,000 in attorney fees arguing about dishes you didn't care about in the first place. That's great. So what this chapter does masterfully, if you've not divorced yet, if you've got friends that are splitting up, get them the book and get this to them. Yes. You basically, like Heidi said, you take an inventory of what you have in your home. You put everything into three different categories that are very logical, like treasurables of the kids. Okay. You got their first set of bronze shoes. Pretty tough to split that. All yeah. right? You don't yeah. really want one shoe per parent. Okay. That is something that's very different than the set of dishes. Okay, yeah. so by taking the first step of identifying the things in the house, which of the, the buckets they fall in, is going to give you the strategy for getting as much of what you want. Okay, yeah. it's back to that first thing we talked about with the focusing on two or three things. So if you can create these buckets and you then you figure on, all right, these are the things that are really, really important to me. The other stuff, I don't care about them as much, but you can make it seem like you're compromising. You're giving him, you're giving her three of every four things, but what you're doing is giving three out of every four things you don't really care about. Yeah. So you got a higher likelihood of getting the things that you do care about. And by taking this inventory and putting items, because you, you got one house that's being divided into two. That's what's happening, guys. Yeah. 
and you've got material goods, you've got treasurables that are with that are tied to the children. All right. You've got to be able to effectively split up this stuff as fast as possible. And you don't want to do it in a manner where you spend $30,000 in attorney fees arguing mm-hmm. about this stuff. And that is a story that unfortunately is all too common in a lot of divorces. This chapter is designed to save you thousands of dollars in money and a lot of your reducing your stress. Mm. I mean, what I took away from what you just shared was really simplify this process and prioritize, like simplify the all that you're trying to cram in so there's no overwhelm and then really prioritize the conversations, the pain points, the things to split up. Really, really important here. In part three, I'm going to jump further into the book. Part three is don't forget about your own needs when divorcing. And you say, simply finding yourself a therapist is not enough. Like, find yourself a rock star therapist, specifically one who has a great reputation working with people through divorce. Tell me more about this. All right. Again, this book is not about me. Yes. Right. But there are some of my own experiences and my own struggles that gave me the idea for a chapter. And this came from my own struggles. I hope I sound everybody like a very reasonable thinker. I am in my group of friends. I'm that guy that people come to. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This is what he's doing. This is what she's doing. This is what's happening at work. And he's going to process it and come up with a reasonable, fair solution. He looks at all sides. I'm that guy, all right? And I had a high-conflict divorce. And in a co-parenting session, I'm there with my current wife. We're splitting up. The co-parenting counselor says, guys, you got a lot of stuff going on here. I highly recommend you find each of you find a therapist. I'm like, you know, couldn't hurt. I don't think I need it because I'm such a reasonable guy. But I said specifically... This is to your point about a rock star therapist. I said, can I get three names from you? And I want specifically three therapists who have worked effectively with divorced men. Yes. I'm a guy. I put pants on in the morning. Okay. That's right. That's right. I got this therapist and she was a rock star. And what the story that led me to decide to write this book is a really powerful story that will make this point that around your question. So I thought I was making good decisions. Okay. I'm a reasonable kind of guy. And I walked in, something happened with my ex and I walked in to my, I had a therapy appointment coming up and I said, okay, this is what happened. And don't worry. I thought about it. And this is what I'm going to do. And she, when it's all therapy speak, well, I'm glad you feel that way. I'm glad you thought through any blah, 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 but you're not going to do that. You're going to do the opposite. And here's why. And I'd like, but, but, but don't Andy. The point there, Heidi, is that my gut instincts were off. And when I heard the advice come out of her mouth, I'm like, oh my God, she's right. And at that time, I realized the degree that I was emotionally compromised and unable to make good decisions. Mm. So that chapter said, focus in on yourself. There's a few points. One, get yourself a rock star therapist. And all these other people are going to want to give you advice. They're not qualified guys. They're too mm-hmm. close to you. They're too yeah, close to you. Too close. So you need somebody who can say, whoa, your gut instincts are wrong. Here's what you should do. Mm. And 
You're not going to get that from somebody in your world. So the other part of that chapter is, you know, many divorcees, as you're getting divorced and after divorce, like, well, it's all about the kids. It's all about the kids. My answer is it's not. It's also about you. Mm-hmm. And the healthier you are, the better it's going to be for your children. Mm-hmm. So you've got to inject some fun in your life. You've got to take steps to ensure that your emotional needs are being handled. That's the therapy part. Yeah. And put some fun, you know, take a cooking class and go on a trip. And you don't need to be spending a lot of money, but join a softball team. Do some things that are fun. So you've got something to look forward to every week. And that's going to help you emotionally. And it's going to make you be a better parent because the healthier you are, the better you position you are to parent because your children are going to have enhanced needs because their life has been disrupted. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Two things that you just said there. One were the words emotionally compromised because there's so much that happens when we're going through this highly heated time or highly activated time where our brains are just, they're overworking to try to keep us safe and they're overworking to try to find solutions and they're overworking rather than what's happening on the inside of our body. Like there are ways to help us come back to who we actually are. And it's so important that you've got a support system in place that can work with you emotionally so that you don't make decisions during your divorce process that are going to affect you 5, 10, 15 years later because you weren't making decisions from a place in the space of yourself that was actually who you are and not just this highly activated, heady version of yourself. So I love that. And I was absolutely floored, Heidi. I was absolutely floored. I was not aware the degree to which I was off. Me either. I mean, I literally woke up a couple weeks after the divorce was final and kind of went like, I actually don't know who I am right now. Like, I actually don't know what I want, what I'm looking for, you know, and I thought I've got it all together. I'll just hurry up and move on. But I love that your book also says this is your homework. Don't procrastinate. Like, and I couldn't agree more. Do not procrastinate. Waiting and wishing does not work in my personal experience. My life started to change when I had a solid support in my corner to help me take action regularly towards the woman I wanted to be and the life that I wanted to live. And I love that you just said, have fun with things that you can look forward to. So one of the things that I do in my group my support group chat. So we have a chat that we use on a weekly basis, on a daily basis with the women that are involved. And I ask them every Friday, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Because weekends can feel kind of hard. Like other people are doing things with their family and their friends and all these things. And so creating things, getting re-involved and re-engaged in things outside of just the handlings of your divorce and the management of your children or whatever responsibilities you have at work, Things that you can actually look forward to on a weekly basis are critical in moving you forward faster, in my opinion. So, yeah, yeah. And that's a really powerful point, everybody. Again, you know, that, well, that I'm going to do what I need to for my children. Your own health is going to have a big effect on your children and how well mm. they're doing. So, and it doesn't need to be a lot. It could be like, you know, like I gave a great example, you know, if you're an athlete and the other thing that's going to, that my book talks about is the time pressures that occur 
on us when we get divorced are massive. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to have a, a lot more obligations than we did before. So stick one thing on there a week that you really enjoy. On your on, When you're not on custodial time, join a softball league, join a women's group, join a book club, do something for you. Mm-hmm. So you always have something to look forward to. And then I'm also a believer in having one big thing every six months or so, to, like a trip or something. Yes. So, oh, it changes your energy around it when you can go it, be in it, connection and do something energetically with your body, do something different with your mind than yep. sitting in your sorrows, right? It's really important we re-engage in holistically in the healing process. So we're going to wrap soon, but I just have to say a couple of things. First thing is you have to get the book because we're not going to talk about this today, but everything in part four is a must read. Everything. It is an ego and emotions check, in my opinion. It spells out all the topics that I hear so often when women describe dealing with their ex. And you've dropped so many golden nuggets in part four that I don't even want to talk about it. They just are some of my favorites. And one one of my favorites, I'm going to just share this one thing. It says, put on a rubber suit communication guidelines, taboo topics around the kids, beware of button pushing events. It's just so good. Put on a rubber suit. That's it was just just stuck out in my mind. I circled it. I started, I underlined it. I think that's good everyday advice. Again, like so many of the things that I've learned through my divorce healing are also so applicable to just everyday life and conflict and conversations. And so even if you're not divorced, because Andy, I do have Lots of people who listen who aren't divorced, but they take the life lessons that are talked about on the show. And I think it's just really good all around yeah. um, talking points for for folks to navigate life. I also want our listeners to know that at the end of the book, like just also buy it for the end of the book. There are two pieces that I think are epic. Number one is 10 golden nuggets to start your divorce journey. This is huge. And Number two, your MSA and parenting plan checklist. They're included in the book. They are worth the book just for that, but everything in the book is above and beyond. So I just wanted to shout out those parts and pieces because you've just really done an incredible job giving people what they need in all different segments of this journey. Thank you. I I, I can't say much more to that. I, I will say a couple of things, though, everybody. My book is written from a unisex perspective. It's designed to help men and women equally. And I I believe I achieved that based on the feedback from everybody and from podcasters like yourself of both genders. I would say to everybody this, as I said earlier, the book is about not just get through divorce, but the recovery process and the co-parenting. So even if you've been divorced, get yourself a copy. If you've got a friend, family member getting divorced, get it to them as a gift. You know, one thing I'll say about my book that I'm really proud of is I went to some other authors that were respected to ask them if they would, first of all, to critique my book. And I got some great content during the writing phase. But one of the authors in particular, she came back and said, I want to write your foreword. And she'd written books before, books plural on divorce. And she basically described my book as that one GPS that every divorcee needs, not just to get through a divorce, but to land and co-parent in an effective and healthy manner and 
she likened it to days before we had GPSs, an effective map that gets you to where you need to go. So please get the book, guys. If my book helps you, I'd love a review on Amazon. I think the last thing I'll say is, you know, this is not my job, guys. I've got a fantastic career. I, as corny as this sound, I wrote this book because I read a lot of other books during my own divorce and I saw a gap in a divorce books phase. Mm-hmm. Most people are not going to have a lot of time. They've got to be able to get the counsel they need to in two or three hours and through podcasts like Heidi's that you can listen to when you're driving and stuff. So my book, hopefully, I wrote it to help people as corny as that sounds. But if you don't get it for your friends or family, it's not going to have that impact. So Heidi, I just, anytime you want me back, I'd love to come back. I love talking to you. I love podcasts like this that are set up to help people because that's what I did not understand. There were podcasts and resources like this available when I was going through divorce. So ladies and gentlemen, continue listening to podcasts like this, buy a book like mine, take these steps that are going to help you get to that place where you're healthy and you're able to parent in an effective manner with your former partner. Mm, Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I I, I wish I had a lot of the tools and resources and information that I had back then. And some of it didn't exist. And some of it I just didn't know about. And so I'm a huge advocate of bringing folks on like you and other people that we've had to just let people know what their options are. And again, in our previous podcast, episode 138 with Andy, we actually break down a lot of the resources that you suggest in your book that you've used. And they were things that I hadn't even heard of before. So this is really important stuff, you guys. How, Andy, how can our listeners get more of you in their life? Where can they find your book? How can they learn more about you and this journey? Sure. So the book is on Amazon. Just go to Amazon, put Andy Heller, H-E-L-L-E-R, take the high road, and be sure this book comes up because I also wrote two real estate books. Um, (laughs) And on the back of the book is our website. You guys can stay connected. And so that's the best way, guys. I'm here to help you as corny as it sounds. This is my give back, and I hope that my book can help you. I'll say this. The second edition has been out for just a handful of months. I've got almost 100 reviews. I'm so humbled by what people are saying. So I know it was the right decision to work on this for six years because it is helping people. It is. It is. I love it. I'm going to keep sharing it with people. I'll probably gift my copy to somebody who I know a lot of ladies who probably could really benefit from this book and gentlemen and gentlemen. But yeah, thank you so much again for your energy, for your time, for your expertise, for your passion, for your care to have this conversation. It means a lot to me personally and I know to the people listening. So thanks for being here today, Andy. Heidi, my pleasure. And all of you guys, it does get better, but take these steps to accelerate that process for you. That's right. That's right. And thanks so much to everybody for listening. A kind reminder as we close, you are safe. You are loved. You are enough. Go out into the world, shine your light bright and live a limitless life. We'll talk to you next time. 
Thanks for tuning in. If you loved our chat or know someone who would, take a quick screenshot and share it now or leave a five-star review so this message can reach the masses. Let's continue connecting. Drop me a DM at Your Divorce Planner or go to yourdivorceplannerhub.com to start coordinating your comeback today. You can even schedule a free connection call to dive into your desires and understand how partnering with your divorce planner will be a game changer for your next chapter. Tune in next week for another transformational topic. And remember, you are loved, you are worthy, you are enough. Take care.